Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Svedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey, everybody, this is Marnie Spudberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends, and we're going to be doing some leadership training today with author and speaker and pastor's wife, Nancy K. Grace, and we're going to be talking about leading with grace. During this hour, you are going to discover the number one reason why every leader must understand and experience the grace impact on their own lives, the attitudes that distinguish gracious leaders, three ways to deal with the fears that most leaders face, the difference between excellence and perfectionism and why it is so important, the four habits you must establish to nurture you on your faith journey, how to extend grace to difficult people, and the three attitudes to choose when stepping out of your comfort zone. And that's all going to be during this one hour. Our guest today, Nancy K. Grace, is a pastor's wife, mom, Bible study leader, pianist, friend, and these just all describe her. She is also the author of a new book, the reason she speaks and writes is to draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And her latest book is called The Great Impact. Welcome to you, Nancy. Hello. I'm glad to be with you today. Well, and I don't know, you know, some people are like, Nancy K. Grace, now that name is really familiar to me. <laughs> and you actually you actually share your name with someone who uh who is uh, maybe possibly not like you. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've had a chuckle or two about that over the years as people at womenspeakers.com say, hey, you're not who I'm looking for. But uh, at the same time, I really feel like God has equipped you to be the grace counterpart to um, the other Nancy T. And well, thank it's you. Been fun, to, fun, to just, fun to just watch how God um, uses every platform to take his word farther and and to spread yes. his love and his grace to everybody. I'm just so so proud of you. <laughs> well, so thank you. I've, I've appreciated it. I've appreciated our uh, friendship over the years, and it's been great to to watch your ministry grow. And I appreciate what you do for offering leadership training for so many women. I think that's really great. Yeah, and now you have a new book called The Grace Impact, and we are going to cover some of the material from that book today, but of course there's more. And if people want to get a hold of that, where can they find that? Um, it is available uh, through my publisher at crossrivermedia.com, or you can email me and I could send you a you know a signed copy, and or it's also on amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. Great. Okay, The Grace Impact, and this is our guest, Nancy K. Grace. And by the way, her website is nancykgrace.com. How easy can that be? Okay, so let's go ahead and dive in here with the training. So let's start with, um, maybe let's talk about the grace impact and why it's really important for every leader to have, to experience that personally themselves before they start leading. Okay, the grace impact is something that, that as as I looked into the Word and I and I saw the expanse of God's grace, I saw that God chose to impact the world with his grace. He chose to reveal himself to us, and he does that in his word, and then through the life of Jesus Christ. 
the life of grace uh, and the forgiveness and love shown through Jesus Christ. So the impact of God's grace on the world came through Christmas and really exploded at Easter time with the resurrection. Now, we as uh, Christians, when we become a Christian, we accept that grace, that impact on our lives, and we interact with God's grace. And then uh, that, and through his grace and through the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit grows in us, and then uh, we can impact other people. So by interacting with the grace impact, we know that God's grace is not to be kept for ourselves, but to be able to share it with other people. So uh, living a life of grace is uh, the basic message of the book. And as leaders, and I I define a leader as anyone who influences another person. It's not somebody who has a position um, on a committee or a meeting or something, but it's anybody who has influence. So that could be, you know, any person, a friend having an influence, a mom having influence in her family, uh, dads having influence in their family, having influence in your workplace. It's what is our attitude that we carry with us and how do we lead with grace um, in those various situations throughout our lives? Mm, I love that. And I always, you know, I take us back to when Jesus was asked to sum up the the law. You know, he said it, and there's so many U's in this. If you if you put the U's in even where they're assumed, he goes like this. He goes, you love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. And if you are not truly receiving the grace of God yourself personally, it's very difficult for you to extend it to someone else. Yes. You can't yes. give away what you don't have. Right. Exactly. And so it it has to start with, it has to start first in your life. Yeah. So yes. what is actually an attitude then that distinguishes a gracious leader? I would say, that, you know, it's scripture points to it being a servant heart. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, did that. He lived that. He was, uh, in one book that I read, calls him the servant who leads and also the leader who serves. And mm-hmm. so when we look at that, we see, yes, he led people, but he also served people. And in uh, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11, we see that passage that describes the kenosis, the emptying of Jesus Christ to become other, you know, to become like man, to be able to look to the interests of others and not be self-promoting or dominating, Um, leading with grace is following Jesus' example, being that servant leader, giving rather than receiving. It's not a power grab, but it's serving. And by growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit grows in us, and it touches our lives and the relationships around us. And we are therefore called to be grace givers in every realm of life. And the servant heart is what distinguishes this. It's not what do I, how can I, Uh, get out of this for me, but how can I serve God through serving other people? I love that. One of the things that it always bothers me um, when people talk about receiving the grace of Christ as if it's something very much in the past tense, like, oh, yes, he saved me from a terrible life of sin. You know, I, I look back at what a sinner I was and I come and, but there's no awareness of the grace that's occurring for them today. And and it's just so vital for us as leaders to recognize that we still are totally 100% dependent 
on God and on his grace every moment, not just in the past when he saved us, but but even now today to make this decision to respond to this person. I mean, it's all based on grace and mercy. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what I discovered in, in uh, throughout writing the book and seeing how that grace really spills over into all of our lives. It's not just a past tense, yes, Jesus saved me, and I'm so thankful that he did, but it's like I have this precious gift of grace, this amazing grace that transforms um, and then can help me to develop into the person God wants me to be. Right, right. It's so beautiful. Well, let's go ahead and talk about some ways to deal with fears that most leaders face. And, of course, I love your definition, too. And I always say, you know, a leader is anyone who's influencing anybody else, you know. And it can just be a mom with her kids or an aunt with her nieces or it can be anybody. Um, you basically, someone is looking at your life today, whoever you yeah. are, even if you don't define your, maybe you define yourself as a future leader. I just encourage you that you already are in a position of leadership. And so all of this applies to you right now. But as you move up, to take on more responsibility, maybe have more people following or watching you. Um, it's true that there are some things that really can uh, scare us and, and make us want to shrink back from the responsibility of being a leader. So let's talk about some of those. Okay. Um, one of the fears, uh, I'll just name a few fears first, and that would be like acceptance. Am I going to be accepted? And is what I say and do going to be accepted? What about rejection? Will what I say and do be rejected? What will people say about me? How will they compare me to other leaders? These are all things that I know I have wrestled with as a leader, as I've grown in being uh, different leadership roles. But I, if I focus on those things, I get locked up and paralyzed. And what I have found is that I, first of all, need to realize and name the fear I have to say, yes, this really take a hard look, that personal reflection, and, and through prayer and say, what is it that I'm fearful of? Name the fear. Be specific and admit it. So then when you name the fear, then write it down. Write it down and you see it. It's, it's not um, an invisible thing anymore. You've written it down. It looks concrete. And then the next thing to do after you've named it, written it down, is to shred it. And it's like, uh, a, phys- a physical act of shredding it. And I had, a, you know, a fear when, you know, recently in the last year, we really in just the, the whole process of writing a book can be daunting. And it's like I just uh-huh. knew that this was what God wanted me to do. And I had to go forward. And so I named that fear. I wrote it down. And then I put it through the shredder, and it just kind of released some, got rid of it, you know. It helped a lot. You know, or, and if you don't have a shredder, to, to take control of it and tear it up, you know, and tear it up and say, this is not going to bind me anymore. This is, I, I'm going to, with God's help, I'm going to overcome this. And the third thing is to replace the fear with God's word. And that's realizing we are dependent on God and his grace. And so we replace that fear. And if, if we're um, nervous about something, to know, um, you know, will someone accept me? Remember um, Isaiah 43.1, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So knowing that God loves you, you can go forward. And remembering that perfect love casts out all fear. 
So when we look at God, we see his perfect love, and we can look at that instead of looking at the fear. And those are some things that have helped me to step forward and not just look at the fear of the what if and what if, but if the what if, God is there. He is with me. What if God is there? Uh, And replace the fear with God's word, knowing his word, knowing that uh, when we hide his word in our heart, he will bring it back to us at the right time. I love that. And it's so important. All of these steps are so important. I call them the four R's is how I train them. But they're the same steps. You recognize you got something wrong. You release it to God. You receive his his exchange gift, and then you just say thank you and go on with what he wants you to do next. And it's so important that that final, um, the, the replacing it with truth of the receiving God's exchange gift there, that's really where I feel like a lot of people miss the boat. They They run their fear or their concern or their problem to God. They really believe that he can help them. They, they release it up to him, and then they don't replace it with anything. And, Nancy, it, you know, there's a, the biblical principle, of course, is that if you leave the house empty, <laughs> it's going to get filled yeah. up. Again, you deal with something worse, and a lot of times it's the same thing you just gave up. If you don't replace it with truth, with the word of God, with what he's wanting you to replace it with, you're going to just end up taking your fear back, and you're just going to be in this vicious cycle, this this circle of giving it to God, taking it back, giving it to God, taking it back, giving it to God like that. Whereas when you say, what, can, what do you want to replace this with? I, I, I want to get rid of this fear now, and I've given it to you. I've shredded it. Or in my experience, sometimes I've burned a piece of paper with oh, a, yeah, you know, a list of things on it. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. really, it's really that picture to the unseen world saying, I am serious about giving this to God. I don't, it's not mine anymore. It's gone. It's his now, yeah. and I'm not going to worry about it anymore. But then you do have to replace that with something, and I love how you said you yes, have the word of God, so replace important. it with truth. Yeah. Replace yeah. it with truth. And, and when we um, you know, have those doubts about self-esteem, I, I know that's an issue that a lot of people deal with, but we have to replace the lie with the truth of God's word, that we are God's workmanship, and we can go forward because he loves us and we are God's workmanship. And, you know, that replacing the fear with truth and remembering the truth of what God says trumps our fears. Uh, I love that. And when I think of self-esteem, I was just thinking of God-esteem. You know, always the way to think about that is that God has placed you in the world for such a time as this and given you this responsibility. You are esteemed by God. Who cares what you think of yourself? God, yeah, that's, that's right. Awesome. That's right. That's right. We, if we would just remember that. I know, right. He said in the forefront. Well, this is Marty Swedward visiting today with Nancy K. Grace, the author of The Grace Impact. And you can find her over at her website, nancykgrace.com or at womenspeakers.com. We're going to hear a little bit more about that right now. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. 
Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis Higgs, Lisa Bevere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book, her ideal audience, and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's www.biblestudyexpo.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Spudberg and our guest today, Nancy K. Grace, is visiting with us about leading with grace, God's grace, and how um, it's possible for us to go from fearful to faithful and from someone who shrinks back from that responsibility to someone who steps up and lets God shine through her. And as we talk about this, Nancy, one of the things that leaders sometimes have a problem differentiating between is excellence and perfectionism and you know we we think that when i think about god i know that he's perfect and he has put that inside of our hearts hasn't he that we would like it to be perfect <laughs> and yeah and it's oh, really, yeah. It's, <laughs> sometimes it's kind of a a tricky balance for a leader to understand what is the difference between um pushing toward that perfection versus you know pushing toward a god-honoring outcome Mhm. And and that's so so important. And it's something that I have wrestled with. I sometimes describe myself as a reformed perfectionist or rather a reforming perfectionist, <laughs> realizing mm-hmm. that I can uh, I must just offer my best efforts to the Lord and not, you know, expect it to be 100% perfect because only he is perfect. Although he calls us to do the best that we can. Um, it, I talk about it in being that, um, well, first of all, perfection can be the enemy of grace. And perfectionism mm-hmm. can drive us, can be a harsh taskmaster, um, driving us to an impossible standard. And when we're locked up in perfectionism, we can get um, very critical. We can become critical of ourselves, of the people around us. Uh, why can't they do what I want them to do? Why can't they do it the way I want them to do it? And instead we need to relax that and really give it over to the Lord and exchange the perfectionism for an attitude of excellence. And when we have the attitude of excellence, we know that we're doing the best that we can with what we have for that moment to serve the Lord. And I think of uh, Psalm 19, verse 14, which says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's the prayer that may my words, may my actions be pleasing in your sight. And I have the phrase that that is living life unedited. And that is living every moment in God's grace, unafraid of making mistakes. Um, I had uh, I shared the story in the book, and I, I think about this because it, it has left an impact on my life. And even though the story happened years ago, I was a uh, pianist, and I was in a competition, and I went to play for the judge, and I put my hands on the wrong keys and started to play. And I was a senior in high school, and I wanted to do the very best that I could. And I thought, I, you know, I was driven by perfectionism. I, I had practiced and drilled and and then I sit in front of the judge and I blow it. And I thought, are you kidding me? And so 
she just calmly said, just try again. So I took a deep breath and went ahead, and then I played it fine. And I went on and, and finished the competition. And, and in Greg, she gave me high marks. I expected the worst, but she did, you know, overlook that beginning mistake and saw it as nerves and went on. But we, uh, you know, so how do we carry that on today? Um, living life unedited. We think everything has to be perfect, that we, we don't allow ourselves to make mistakes. And in this world, we are so driven by looking at um, perfect images on the media, in magazines, on TV, online, and life's not that way. They, those are, can be retouched. Um, music can be edited. Uh, speaking can be edited. And so when we live life unedited, that's mean, that's looking to God's grace and knowing that I'm doing the best I can with what he's given me, and I want to give him praise in what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. so living life unedited is it's not being a, I don't want to be afraid of stepping out to make a mistake. And I've been there. I know that sometimes I've thought, I don't want to do that because I'm going to make a mistake. People will see, and I'm going to flub up and be embarrassed. But with God's grace, I know that he is with me, and I know that that if my heart is in the right place, and I pray that it is, that, that then he will take that and use it for, for his glory, for his best. Oh, absolutely. It's so true. I was thinking, um, I'm, I'm writing a book called Float Your Vessel, and I was working on this yesterday. I just want to read you this little section. It says, will we ever be perfect? Not on earth. Huh. But we can develop growing habits that move us closer to flow through mastery, similar to how Michael Jordan developed his God-given skills to make him a basketball star. He hit a record 49.7% of his career shots. Read that again. Michael Jordan became one of the world by hitting less than half of the shots he took. And I like uh-huh. my Cobb's baseball, baseball record even better. He holds the record lifetime batting average with just 36.64%, including every single, every double, every triple or home run, it all counted toward that 36.64 world record. Now, I wonder, when did we come to the belief that God expects 100% performance outcomes or he gets mad at us? No, he created us this way. It's the true, it's, it's true that in order to get access into his presence in heaven, we must be perfect, but it isn't true that he expects us to attain that level of perfection without him. He sent Jesus, God in the flesh, to pay the price of that requirement because he knew we could never attain it. In our pride, we think we need to perform and turn in a perfect score or we're in the doghouse with God. Now, when was the last time that you gave yourself a high five for sticking with your new habit less than half the time? But that's exactly what the baseball and basketball pros call a perfect. Perfection. I mean, that, that's the top-notch performance, and yeah, we are so yeah. hard on ourselves. Oh, my goodness. And, and I honestly think we have help being hard on ourselves. I think that Satan clobbers us on both sides. On the one side, he says, don't try. You can never do it. Don't even bother to try. And then when you do it and you yes. don't come up with a perfect score, he's right there to tell you, loser, loser, loser. See, I told you you couldn't do it. You know, and, and yeah. that's not God. Yeah. That's not God. No. No, it's not. And we, we get trapped into that perfection, that perfectionist trap that, it, it, you know, I can't do it and so I may not, you know, why should I even try? And then we get, you know, locked into that. And, and we, we just have to have that grace with ourselves, give ourselves grace that, 
that you know God is can use us, and it's okay that you know we're not intentionally trying to make mistakes. <laughs> you know, right. and I love the sports analogies that you give because yeah, there's uh, you know those percentages. Yeah, fifty percent of the time. Well, that's even less than fifty percent of the time to have those kinds of yeah. records. You know, so yeah. Well, so well, we, we and just need to go on. Well, I was thinking. I was thinking that you know we would typically call that failure in our lives. Yes. We would call a thirty-six percent or a forty-nine percent. We would call that failure, the world record. <laughs> yes, I know. That's, but right. that's how far like, off oh. we are. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You know, sometimes I, would, yeah. If we, you know, it's our perspective. It's our, you know, perspective on on what we're doing and and how we are doing what we're doing. It, you know, are we our motivation? Is it in serving the Lord and giving? You know, is our heart in the right place? And to live life unedited. Don't be afraid of making those mistakes, but to to walk in faith and know that God is with you every step of the way. Uh, it's it's really the heart that is humble and back to, you know, the servant heart, the heart that's willing yeah. to make mistakes. You know, you were telling your story about the uh, playing the piano in front of the judge, and I've never entered a competition, so I haven't had that. But I do play piano for our church sometimes, and I always say I'm a plunker, not really a player. But uh, uh-huh. one Sunday morning I started, and it was kind of the same situation where I wasn't hitting any of the notes in the right key at all, and I was playing the introduction. And I, I had the thought go through my head, you know, if I keep going like this, they aren't going to have a clue of how to start because I haven't hit any of the right yeah. notes yet. <laughs> they couldn't figure it out. So I just stopped, and I just said, let me just start again, and I just started again, and we got through the song. And it was later that one of the moms told me that her daughter, who eventually went to um, play play keyboard for a, a band, uh Christian band, her daughter was in the audience or congregation that day, and she said to her mom, Later, she just kind of out of the blue said, Mom, if something like that ever happened to me, what happened to Marnie on Sunday, I think that's what I would do. And, oh, you know, yeah. it, it was yeah. just so, it was so humbling to me to think, right, even in my biggest blow-ups, you know, God's just yeah. right there encouraging the yeah. heart of a, fear, a fearful young girl who's like, I can't do it unless I can do it perfect. But on that day when she saw me just fall flat on my face, just get back up, start again, go yeah. forward, just like I do it, you know, and it's really more about that than about us giving a good performance. It's really more yeah. about us being willing to do whatever it takes to let God flow through us. Oh, love, yeah. love, love, to love. let his glory shine. Yeah, Absolutely. to let his glory shine, to let him, his work come through, his grace to show through that I am weak, but in, in my weakness, he is right. strong. And and so he can he can take whatever it that whatever it is and turn it into something beautiful. And that is so much one of my favorite one of my favorite truths. Because <laughs> I'm yes, weak, so yes. it allows him to be very strong. <laughs> well, this is Marty Fuzzer. Yeah. We're visiting today with Nancy K. Grace of NancyKGrace.com. We're going to come back and talk about the four habits you must establish to nurture you on your faith journey. We will be right back. Christian Women's Events at Women'sEvents.info. You can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. 
event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Are you enjoying every single bite eating with God? If not, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's eatingwithgod.com. Discover the easiest, most enjoyable way to move from where you are with food today to where God wants you to be in His perfect time and way. There are free daily bite recordings available to you at www.eatingwithgod.com or you can purchase the entire set of Daily Bites, 31 individual daily MP3 words of encouragement, plus the book, Gasping for Grace, 31 daily devotionals for discouraged dieters. To start moving toward your God-given ideal weight, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's www.eatingwithgod.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and our guest today, Nancy K. Grace, is talking with us about content from her new book, The Grace Impact, and how we can lead with grace. And we were talking at the beginning of the program about how all of us are leading somebody. There's someone watching your life right now. Uh, maybe not right this second, but somebody's watching you. And uh, they are curious what you would do in certain situations, how you would handle different things, how you respond when you're upset. They're, they're watching you and they're curious what, what you're made of, what stuff are you made of. And my prayer and our prayer for you is that you are made of Jesus Christ, that he is the blood flowing through your spiritual veins and that you are his flow to wrestle. You are living out your calling on earth. And we're going to talk a little bit more right now about some habits that you can establish to nurture your faith journey. Nancy, when you came up with four habits, um, I'm sure you could have come up with 34 or one. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you came up with four. And so as we're going through each one of these, just uh, list them off one by one and then just kind of maybe mention to us why you felt like this was so important. Okay. The first one is um, to read the word. The first um, habit to establish is that word ingesting the word. The second one, is prayer, the third one is fellowship, and the fourth one is worship. And by developing these habits, we gain guidance and direction in our life. And now I'll go back and I'll briefly explain a little bit about each one. When we come to the Word of God, we know that um, His Word has given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's found in uh, Second Peter. And so we need to really know the Word, believe the Word, read the Word, so that it, it can guide us, it can heal our hearts, it can be a um, strength when we're weak, it can shed light on our path when we're confused. And when we're uh, fearful, the, the word of God can come back to our minds because we have hidden his word in our heart. It's so important that we establish the habit of nurturing and being a self-feeder on the word we can't depend on just somebody else feeding us, spoon feeding us, but we have to learn to dig in ourselves and uh, not just read the word, but meditate on it. And that means like to chew on it and let it uh, really become a part of you and settle into your being so that you, you have it ingested into your being. So reading the word is important. Um, 
this, the next one is prayer. And I see prayer as a very sacred connection to God. It is our sec- sacred connection to God, and it's our sacred privilege. We a lot of times can pray and have those little arrow prayers, God, help me right now, or students can pray, help me with this test, or we can be nervous and, you know, moms can say, Lord, help me not, you know, help me do the best I can with my children. But we need to have those times of really communicating with God. And it is the love language of the relationship with God, uh, our relationship with God, to sit in his presence and um, to just say, thank you, Lord, through the, the different kinds of prayers, the thanksgiving prayers, the prayers of praise that helps us uh, to see all that God has done and all he is, you know, just to praise him and to thank him. And then also uh, to confess to him that, that he has provided a way for us to come into his presence, um, even though we're not perfect. And that is, you know, through confession, and he extends that forgiveness to us. So we can have that clean heart because we've had confession in prayer. And then uh, you know, we see that as a privilege and we can bring others' needs, our needs and others' needs to prayer. And uh, in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And that word cast is a, a very physical action. It's not just a little drop it there and go, but it is like, throwing a baseball at 90 miles an hour. It is just throwing it hard. I am casting it. I'm casting that fishing line far out. I'm not a big fisher, but fisherman, but hey, you know, some people might be. (laughs) But it's that casting, that motion of really throwing it far. And that's casting it to God. It's not just simply laying it. Sometimes we simply lay our requests, but other times we need to cast it and let it be there in his lap. So prayer is that sacred connection that has many dimensions, and uh, those are only a few of the dimensions that I've mentioned there of uh, being praise and thanksgiving and confession and then praying for others. So, And we re- recall then that we can have victory, so we can pray and, you know, having God's strength and power with us in prayer too through that. Uh, the third habit of a, that we need to have on our faith journey is that of fellowship. It's too easy for us to fall into like being a spiritual lone ranger and thinking, oh, I can go on this alone, just me and God, and we can go fine. And You know, that there is a, a, a place for our own time alone with God, but there's also a need for a fellowship with others because we learn from other people. I believe God created each of us with a need for fellowship, a need for other people. And when we come together with like-minded people who are believers, we can be encouraged, we can be uplifted, we can have others' input and, and hear that, you know, as they have read the Word of God, then maybe that could speak to us. So we can have, the, you know, the wisdom of God together where it says that together we have the mind of Christ, that we need each other to share those ideas, to be, you know, reflectors of God to us, to each other. And then um, the fourth one that I list is worship. 
And worship helps us to refocus. It lifts our eyes from the struggle, from the struggles of the journey, the potholes we might be falling in or seeing, and it puts our focus on the Almighty One. This gives us a new perspective. Think of the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And when we look at Jesus and we look at the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit and we worship them, we are releasing, we're not focusing on ourselves. We're focusing on who God is and all he is and all he has done. And that gives me a a new perspective. It helps me see that God is sovereign. He is the one in control. and, And he is the one that I worship, not my problem. Not my situation, which when I'm in a, a bad, you know, a tough situation, then I could be almost worshiping the problem. Like, what am I going to do? I'm worrying and get locked up in worry. But I just need to turn that worry into prayer and then also focus, refocus on who God is in the situation and remember that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who, who provides. He is the burden bearer. He is the God who is sovereign and who loves me. And that helps me to worship him, uh, takes the focus off of my problem and gives me a new perspective. Mm, So beautiful. Thinking about worship, I was trying to find that verse that talks about this is our spiritual act of worship. Do you know which one I'm talking about there? Um, I'm just trying uh, to. I'm not not calling it off my (laughs) Yeah, not calling it yeah, out well, the uh, concordance in my brain. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just this this beautiful passage about our spiritual act of worship and and how giving our lives to God is is what He's looking for. Just, just everything that we would lift everything up to Him as a spiritual act of worship, and then music, of course, is so powerful. Yes, a part I, of that. I I just think music is is amazing because it goes past the logic side of the brain and right into the um, emotion side of the brain, and it allows yes. us to go with God somewhere we can't just go logically. And it takes right. us into a deeper, different type of relationship with him. And it's interesting, you know, that all over the world, uh, church churches start with music and then comes the pastor. And I think it's based on, uh, in the Old Testament, you know, they would send the singers out first and then the warriors. And the pastor's mm-hmm. coming with the word, the sword, really, and the singers mm-hmm. go out first and set the set the tone, and then the pastor comes with the sword, and the hearts are soft, and and God can just do so much work once we have come into a position of readiness and willingness to let Him, well, do surgery, <laughs> basically cut us open and <laughs> take out the yeah, things that we don't want, yeah. that He doesn't want there anymore. And, and music does, you know, it is a universal language. We've had the the blessing and privilege to be able to be in different cultures in the world. And to be standing side by side with culture, with people in Malaysia singing the same praise choruses um, that we knew in America and we're seeing them in a predominantly Muslim country is, was awesome. Mm-hmm. To be standing in uh, Russia and having them sing the same songs in their language and we're singing mm-hmm. it in English and lifting that praise up to God. I think that's a glimpse mm-hmm. of what heaven will be because we'll all be singing the what i think is the the universal language of praise um to god so it's it is 
really speaks to the heart and if you know if we let it and i mean it it just really is very powerful to um let you know non instrumental music speak to i mean non you know instrumental music speak to us as strongly as uh words and lyrics of psalms you know so yeah and I, uh, yeah. the verse that I, the verse that you were wondering about is uh, Romans twelve one. Uh, Therefore, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Mm-hmm. Is that the? Is that the? Yeah. You know, that's, well, whatever we're doing yeah. is our spiritual service right. of worship. Right. So beautiful, and you know, and and then so many times. I don't know if this happens to you, Nancy, but just because you're a musician, it probably doesn't. And there's so many other people who just have come to really love worship music, but how something you've been asking God about or something you've been, you know, trying to release or something, when you're when you're praising in worship, when you are worshiping in music, a lot of times that is, you know, the, the freedom to release or the freedom to understand something comes there. And that's just a beautiful thing. So, uh, you know, when you think about yeah. Christian Christian music stations, um, different things like that, they are, they're so valuable in that they allow us to bring incorporate this into our daily lives instead of waiting until just on Sunday morning to get this worship music. You can get it all the time or Pandora or, you know, wherever. It's, right. I, I just love it. I, I often have worship music playing in my headset while I'm doing, um, like, book work or, you know, um, yes. things, oh, that, yeah. things that can... <laughs> You know, it's just so uplifting yeah. and encouraging. But all of these are critically important to read, meditate, and memorize God's word, God's word to pray, to connect with him yeah. all day <laughs> and in special times. And then fellowship, staying with the believers. And then finally, you know, the worship, the new perspective of turning our eyes on Jesus. That's one of my favorite songs, too. And that's the phrase I love so much. And the things of earth will yeah. grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. I love that. This is Marty Slepper. We're visiting today with Nancy K. Grace. That's her website also, nancykgrace.com. And her new book, The Grace Impact, will be right back to talk about how to extend grace to difficult people and three attitudes to choose when stepping out of your comfort zone. We'll be right back. What's your next step? Are you tired of scouring the Internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving towards your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more, all available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Money troubles got you down? Visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace. You'll gain perspective, biblical training, and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant. It's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com. Not only will you learn a balanced, godly perspective about money, but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music, a wealth roster worksheet, and much more, all free and online at www.godlywealth.com. That's www.godlywealth.com. Hey, and welcome back. This is Marnie Sperberg. Our topic today is leading with grace, and our guest is the perfect person to talk to us about that, Nancy K. Grace. (laughs) And we are going to conclude the program here with this last section. First of all, we're going to talk about how to extend grace to difficult people and then the three attitudes to choose 
when stepping out of your comfort zone. Nancy, I think one of the most intimidating things for a leader is to have someone who is really, really difficult. Um, they come, <laughs> they maybe disruptive, possibly, you know, possibly um, disrespectful in front of other people. You know, it, it's just one of those things that that can really, if you don't know what to do, it can really suck the air out of your, you know, out of your joy and out of your yes. ability to move forward with Christ in the position of leadership he's given you. So maybe just address that one for a couple minutes. Sure. Yeah, this is this is a tough one, um, but we are called to be grace givers, and that is to be that channel of God's grace, to not hold it to ourselves, but as you say in your book, to be a flow-through vessel and let him flow through us and uh, letting you know, extending grace to difficult people in difficult situations. And that could be like after we've been hurt and it's hard to, and we don't want to forgive. And, uh, but we have to depend on God's loving forgiveness when our nature opposes forgiving. We don't want to forgive, but we know that we need to, and we need to release that, you know, first to God in our hearts and then, as we release the person to God in our hearts and not hold them hostage because then that bitterness can grow and that bitterness then holds us hostage. So we we need to grow in being a grace giver, looking to the Lord um, for the love that we need to give to somebody, but we just don't want to do it. And it's kind of um, like... I can remember a situation many years ago in ministry. We've been in pastoral ministry for 40, over 40 years. And without the grace of God, without the forgiveness of God, um, no ministry would happen. And the Lord showed me that early on in our ministry years. And I, I thought, really, God, how, you know, and he just kind of said, no, <laughs> you have to forgive. You, you can't, you know, nothing will go on if you don't. And, a person in the church had deeply hurt us. And I thought, how can I forgive this person? How can I reach out? I, I can't, you know. And the Lord clearly spoke to my spirit and said, you need to forgive. Well, I believe now that I, I did forgive. I lifted it up continually, continually. And I prayed for forgiveness toward that person. And Eventually, I mean, I did things like, uh, you know, wrote, wrote a letter, but I never sent it, never sent it, but burned it, you know, and just expressed my heart to God. And, and God received that. His shoulders are big enough to receive our hurts and our pains. But I expressed it, but God, this happened. And, and then, you know, God said, well, my love covers that sin. And hasn't my love covered your sin? And, well, Yes, God, okay. I guess so. <laughs> so in time, then forgiveness happened. And I saw that, and I still see that today, even though that was something that happened probably like 30 years ago. I still recall that saying that I've got to forgive. I cannot hold on to to bitterness or hurt. And it's not that there's cheap grace. It's not cheap but it is it is free, but it's not cheap. And we have to realize that, you know, when we work through forgiveness, we trust God's love to fill in the gaps when our love doesn't seem to, when our love isn't there, just plain isn't there. For, yeah. Forgiveness is both an event and a process. 
It does happen, you know, a one time we say, I'm making the decision to forgive, but then it's a process. It's a continual, um, you know, you know, we keep on forgiving a little bit more every day. And I, I think of it as um, the forgiveness process as the, like an, an iceberg. You only see a small percentage of an iceberg above the water, and the greater portion of it is underwater. But when the sun shines on it, eventually a portion of the iceberg will melt. Well, that's like the Holy Spirit melting our hurt, our our bitterness, our you know our you know the sin that you know when we've been wrong. But you know the Holy Spirit melts that through the forgiving love of God. But then the iceberg might turn a little bit, and a new part of the iceberg will be released <laughs> right. and re- up to the sun. And it's like, wait a minute, I thought I forgave that. Well, mm-hmm. it's been we're at a new place, we're in a new part, new, you know, time in our relationship, and we need to let that have the relation, have the Holy Spirit shine on it. And so it's a continual process of melting the hardness of our hearts and, and dealing with, you know, uh, somebody, you know, when we've been hurt by somebody. And in, in uh, we have to remember to to go privately to somebody if if something has happened, to to not um, call somebody out in front of a meeting, in front of a lot of people, um, but we need to work it out because uh, Scripture says, as far as it depends on you, live with peace with all people. And so really make our effort to, to live it out, to live out grace, to be a grace giver. And by doing that, we're doing what God asks us to do. We cannot be responsible for their behavior, but we can be responsible for our own behavior. And so then, you know, we just need to know that, you know, God calls us to love when it's hard, and uh, and it can only happen through his grace. Yeah. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You can't extend grace you don't have, and so you're going to have to stay yeah. trapped into God for some of that, you know, so he can flow his grace through you. And then the other, you know, the other part, again, we talked about it earlier, is just that humble heart that, just goes to God and says, you know, I don't have any forgiveness for this person right now, but I need yeah. some of yours. Or, yeah. you know, the cast, the casting concept again. And it's really okay for us to cast a person, let's say a problem person, it's okay for us to cast them into the care of Christ and then to just say, mm-hmm. what would you like to give me right now in replacement of this person that's been my concern, my, my worry, my problem. Um, I've been, you know, thinking about this and doing about it or whatever. I'm going to give that all to you. What do you want to give me in place of that? And and he does just fill us with either peace or or love or something to extend out. And then we say, what can I do for you? And he's like, okay, now you're either going to ignore this person and go forward, let me take care of it, or you're going to do such and such, and these things will come to your heart. It's just amazing how when we are humble, God will help us understand what to do. And I've heard stories, yeah. I've heard amazing stories of hugely disruptive people, not only people, but like pigs running through the middle of a church service. I mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be a person. It can be any crazy disruption yeah. that the enemy wants to put into the meeting, into the church to thwart the work of God. And we just have to recognize that this person is not the problem, that there is yeah. an evil, there's an evil uh, influence here and we need to give give the entire situation to God and then just do what he says and not own it, yeah. not worry about it, not try to fix it right. ourselves because we aren't big enough. Oh, um, we are great it, fixers, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are, we are 
totally. I always say we're totally addicted to the delusion that we're in control of anything, and we really yes. need to just submit right. ourselves totally to Christ. Yes. Oh, That's very goodness. true, yeah. Right. Okay, let's talk about the three attitudes to choose when stepping out of your comfort zone. Okay. Um, you can choose faith over fear, confidence over cowardice, and power over panic. When we look at Second Timothy 1, 7, and 8, we see that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And that verse is really powerful because we can recall, we can see that, that we have that promise of God's power. We have the promise of God's love when we have the promise of self-discipline or self-control. Um, the word there that is translated power is the same word used for dynamite. And so we have that explosive power of God, the resurrection power of God, to help us when we're in a difficult situation with somebody. And that it doesn't mean that we explode. No, but it means we trust God deeper. We trust his power to, uh, to work, be at work in the situation. We choose to have that love. That is agape love self-giving love that is not, that humility that we've talked about that uh, shows the the Christ-like love that casts out fear and then we have that self-discipline that ca- remains calm uses wise judgment in uh, in a in a situation you know so you're not getting heated up with the whole situation and it curbs harsh words so we can choose to to make the decision to choose faith over fear. And I I came across a quote the other day uh, from Max Lucado that said, when Christ is great, our fears are not. And Mm -hmm. it's like we have to look to Christ and know that he is the one that can conquer our fears. So we look to Christ in faith, and we choose faith over fear, confidence over cowardice. And that is confidence in God's power and love, knowing that he is with us. He is Emmanuel. He is the God who is with us wherever we're at. So choose confidence over cowardice and power over panic so that we you know, realize, I'm, you know, if we're in a panicky situation that seems chaotic and things are not going well, we get a, 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 a diagnosis of health that is not what we want to hear and I, several years ago I had a cancer diagnosis and I, I just knew that I had to turn to God and turn to his peace and know that he would be with me no matter what and and he was and he has repeatedly whenever I've had other biopsies he has been with me and I know that his power is there to keep me calm to keep me focused on his presence with me and not to panic so we can have those faith over fear, confidence over cowardice, and power over panic, when we um, are bold, and I have the acrostics in my book, to believe on the Lord daily, to be bold, B-O-L-D. And um, in, uh, just in, in conclusion, I want to uh, you know, speak a, a brief tribute, tribute to Elizabeth Elliot, um, who recently passed away. And she lived a life of grace, she lived a life of courage. She forgave people that had murdered her husband, but she forgave and she went back 
and ministered to them, ministered the love of God to them. And those people, some of them became like family to her. And to me, that is just such a beautiful example of being a grace giver, to let that grace flow through. She let the grace of God flow through her and shape her so she wasn't bitter. She worked through that pain and that bitterness. And through believing on the Lord daily, she became a a grace giver um, throughout all of her life and touched many, many people with her life and teaching. One of my favorite quotes from Elizabeth Elliot, and it really shaped my perception of leadership, is that she defined humility as flexibility. She just said, you know, you can can always do the acid test (laughs) someone's humility by throwing them several curveballs, one right after the other, and see how they respond. And, you know, that training for me, and uh, along with other training that she had, uh, I really appreciated her parenting training when my kids were little. And um, she just had this humble way of just passing all her cares on Christ and letting him care for her and and to let him care for others through her. And she really did impact so many of our lives so beautifully. And it was was the grace that she carried with her. Nancy, thank you so much. And tell us just... The the book that you wrote, the Grace Impact, is kind of a little different because it has daily it has daily readings in it, doesn't it? Yes, it's a thirty day devotional, and uh, the readings are a couple of pages long, so they're not really lengthy. And each reading com- has a scripture verse and then a personal story, uh, discovering something about God's grace. And at the end of each uh, reading, there's uh, some additional Bible study Bible verses to look at. There's a prayer, and there's some questions for meditation. So it can be used as a Bible study, even though it is a devotional, that it can be used as an individual Bible study or even as a group Bible study. And I do have, um, you know, the idea that sometime I'm going to be doing it as an online Bible study in the future months. Uh, So so I do want to give that a try. I'm just not sure the timing of that just yet. Um, but that is something to uh, that I, I just want to try to see so more people can uh, reach God's grace. I know people are busy with their watching their kids, and sometimes it's hard to get up and pack everybody up and go somewhere for a Bible study. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's a little bit about the grace impact, um, that it is 30-day daily devotional readings with scriptures, questions for meditation, and prayer. So you can deepen the impact of God's grace in your life. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here today, Nancy. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun to talk with you, Marnie, and everybody. Thank you. And you guys, thank you for being here. You want to check out Nancy's website over at nancykgrace.com and her new book, The Grace Impact, over there at Amazon or um, at her uh, speaker profile page at womenspeakers.com. Her name again, Nancy K. Grace. This is Marnie Feather, and I thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. It's always fun to have you who can come live. It's fun to know that a bunch of you listen afterwards over at iTunes or to the syndicates and even to the archives and the mentorship program at marnie.com. So blessings on your day. We'll see you next time. Have a beautiful afternoon or evening or morning, whenever you're listening. Okay, bye-bye.